You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. The Ballad of Swampy Jeff Queen Alyssa's caravan arrived at the outskirts of Jack's camp, just as the last traces of sunlight were drifting from the sky. They had been traveling north for several days along a well-trafficked trade route towards the city of Larkspur. There was little in the way of settlements along this stretch, and so Jack's camp marked an oasis of sorts on this dull tract. Two lanterns blazed welcomingly on either side of the entrance, and Netcher, their Clericon coachman, expertly drove the tired horses forward to follow the path into the camp. Behind them rode the queen's personal guards, Negwin and Gwarth. Though they surveyed the bustling outpost with cautious glances, they also made note of the inviting aromas which wafted from Jack's commissary and the row of ale casks which lay behind its counter. A bit of civilization could mean a world of difference to a weary traveler. Gwarth found himself thinking back months before, to the time they had departed on the Lord's tour. This was the reason for the journey they presently found themselves on. The Lord's tour was the traditional centennial peregrination, which was expected of all who served as ruler of the green country. Gwarth had been summoned to serve as one of Queen Alyssa Lannan's personal guards for the duration of the journey. He was excited at the opportunity and arrived in the stables several days prior to leaving to help with preparations. There he met Negwin, who he was familiar with from their prior guard service together. She was a good many years Gwarth's senior, and had escorted Queen Elissa on the Lord's tour previous, and the one before that. She had selected two fine bay thoroughbreds, who she was combing down when Gwarth entered. She greeted him, and then he looked about the stables for a moment. "'Where are the others?' he asked, having expected a larger retinue to be accompanying the Queen on her tour." It's just you and I, replied Negwin, smiling at his surprise. Elisa likes to travel light. It surprised me too the first time I traveled with her on a lord's tour. She once told me that the trip isn't about her. It's about the people she meets. So, we keep things modest. Gwarth nodded, appreciating this unexpected perspective. Now, as they entered Jack's camp, it occurred to him that had they been journeying with a larger company and more extravagant trappings, they would stick out like a sore thumb here, and many of the previous places they had stopped along the way. 
Soon they had their camp set up with a merry fire blazing in the ring of stones. The camp's proprietor and namesake, Jack, strode up, followed by a lanky serving man who bore a variety of steaming dishes, loaves of bread, and even a small cask of ale. Elissa, my dear friend, it's always a pleasure to host your highness at our little camp. Jack greeted Elissa, who gave the rustic man a hug. You and your camp are a sight for sore eyes. It pleases me to see you so well. Elissa cast her eyes at the multitude of delicious food that Jack had generously provided, and inhaled through her nose. And from the smell of it, your cooking has only improved with age. Jack grinned. You flatter me, my queen. Go on, tuck in. You must be famished from the day's travels. I'll try and keep you entertained with some of the comings and goings from our little corner of the green country. Elissa smiled at Jack's candor, happy to fill her mouth with his delicious cooking, rather than small talk. She and her company set to feasting, and Jack continued. We've had something of an eventful week here at camp. Hold on a moment. Jack turned and called out across the camp. Weatherbine, go ahead and fetch the wee mare. Though Weatherbine couldn't be seen from their campfire, his voice echoed out in reply. Oi, fetching the wee mare. I'll be but a moment. Moments later, the lanky serving man approached, holding something in his arms. As he passed by the fires of the other folk in Jack's camp, they cheered and clapped with raucous excitement. Weatherbine stepped into the firelight and presented the small creature he held. It was apparent he had gone through this same pageantry countless times in the recent days, but he did manage to summon some small measure of enthusiasm. I present to ye the wee horse of Jack's camp. Change she be by none other than Swampy Jeff. Fickle is that old rambler of the green country, and wily and mysterious is his arcana. Very good, Weatherbine. Thank you, interjected Jack, satisfied by the colorful introduction. Elissa and her company stared in fascination at the little horse Weatherbine presented to them. It appeared to be a full-grown horse, shrunken down to the size of a shoe. It clearly resented being held and nipped at Weatherbine, who deigned to set it on the dining table near to their fire. It galloped back and forth a bit, happy to be free of the giant, its tiny hooves clicking on the wood. Swampy Jeff, asked Alyssa incredulously. Jack nodded, grinning. Netcher had taken a shine to the little beast and took a couple of oats from their own horse's pouch, offering them to the mare. She neighed politely and took an oat in her mouth and set to chewing it contentedly. Who is Swampy Jeff? asked Gwarth. Though normally restrained, he was overcome with curiosity. Jack's eyes raised in surprise, but Alyssa quickly interjected to explain. Gwarth hails from the north, up near Minspirit. His folk don't know the tales of old Jeff. Perhaps you might regale us with a ballad? The grin, which had remained plastered on Jack's face, seemed to grow in size and intensity. Nothing would please me more, my queen. Weatherbine, my lute! 
The lanky man, who had retreated at some point, reemerged with surprising speed, bearing a beautifully crafted instrument, which he handed to Jack. Jack strummed his fingers across its taut strings, and a melodious sound rippled forth. Gather round for the ballad of old Swampy Jeff, that timeless tramping rambler of the green country. Folk camped nearby began to appear, excited to hear Jack's song, despite the fact that many had heard it the previous night and the night before that. Jack strummed again, and the crowd fell silent. He sang out in a spirited voice. Oh, won't you gather round and hear the ballad of Swampy Jeff? Ain't no path his feet haven't trod. He's as old as the dirt and the rock. Striding slow with his walking stick and his trusty hound, Jacques. None can say where he was born, nor where he's going to. None can know the miles he's walked in his green leather shoes. The dust of ages in his wake, and tireless creeping vines. The shadows of an era long he makes, as he goes a-wanderin' through time. Through day and night he travels on, walking steady slow. Through gale and heat of midday sun, and the chill of winter's snow. If you chance to meet old Jeff, a humble man you'll find. He might ask you for a coin or apple or to know what's on your mind. Be advised to treat him well, like a king was in your midst, for he is the saint of vagabonds, and generosity you must insist. Spare some bread, a bowl of stew, and gratefulness you'll see, but cast him away unkindly, and dark your days shall be. For to spur this blessed wayfarer, does bring with it a curse. So treat him well, and merry you'll be, for there's great truth to this verse. Jack finished his song, and his patrons broke into a grand applause, and he bowed politely several times. So a man comes through last week, walking on foot, and he's carrying with him not only this wee mare, but one more tiny horse too along with a tiny cart. According to his tale, he was bringing a wagon load of apples to market at Larkspur when he passed an old man standing in the ditch with his hound dog. Seems this old-timer had had his hat stolen by a crow who thought it would be a funny thing to stick it up high in a tree. The old feller asked the apple man for a hand retrieving his cap, and he says, Sorry, no can do gotta get these apples to market, and carries along on his way. The old-timer wasn't too happy about that, and apparently shouted after him, The least you could do is offer me an apple! But still, the apple man couldn't be bothered. Too fixed on reaching his destination, I suppose. Well, he couldn't believe it, but with each step that took him further away from that old rambler, his horses seemed to be getting smaller. Soon his feet were dragging on the ground, so he hopped off his mare, and sure enough, the horses and the cart were shrinking. Gwarth shook his head in amazement. He wouldn't have believed such a tale, were it not for the tiny horse prancing on the table before him. He had seen his share of magic in the green country, 
but to shrink a creature required incredible skill. Gwarth mused at this for a moment, lost in the mystery of Swampy Jeff. If Swampy Jeff could shrink a horse to the size of an apple, surely he could fetch his cap from a treetop by some clever spell, I'd think. Elissa nodded at this, smiling lightly at Gwarth's unfamiliarity with the strange ways of Swampy Jeff. Oh, certainly he could. In fact, I have no doubt he put his hat in that tree himself. Swampy Jeff is a trickster, but he's always smiled on traveling folk. You travel anywhere in the green country, and you'll generally find a meal to eat, a dry place to sleep, or someone offering whatever kindness they can spare. Jack laughed and continued Alyssa's thread of conversation. There's no end to the tales of havoc and mischief the old rambler has caused over the years. He's the main reason folk are so civil to one another as they roam these wild roads. But every so often, someone forgets about him, and he makes an appearance to remind folk of how he'd like them to behave. Weatherbine had lingered nearby and spoke up. Not to mention, if ye show old Jeff the kindness he is due, unexpected goodnesses may come to ye. Jack raised an eyebrow, surprised at this interjection from a man who he normally knew to be taciturn. Do tell, Weatherbine, old chap. Have you had dealings with Swampy Jeff? Weatherbine stepped closer into the firelight, so that it played upon his gaunt features mysteriously. I have indeed. Not so long ago, Swampy Jeff was travelling through these very woods. I come across him one day in my wanderings. He was searching amidst the trees and grasses and brambles for something tiny he had lost. He beseeched me for help, though in my present form his words made only small sense to me. Jack looked at Weatherbine quizzically uncertain of the strange track the story had taken. Alyssa, her company, and the crowd had fallen silent, bewitched by the odd man's unexpected yarn. I understood, at least, that he sought something wee small and shiny. So being the upstanding fellow that I am, I set to helping him search. Didn't have much going on that day. All morning and afternoon we looked, I turned over rocks, climbed through old logs, even swam to the bottom of a stream. His old hound didn't like me much at first, but we got on fine after a spell. A strange pressure was building behind Weatherbine's words, and everyone, Jack included, had fallen silent to hear the conclusion of his narration. Eventually, Swampy Jeff sits down on a rock. We're all tuckered out. He shakes his head and puts his hands in his pockets, and then his eyes light up. Out of his trousers, he pulls the ring and holds it up for me to see. What a fool I've been, he says, though I can't fault him for that. Lord knows I've misplaced things before. Anyway, he says he'd like to thank me for my helping him to look, and asks me if there's anything I'd like to be. So I think on it a moment, and I decide... I'd like to try being a man for a while. Everyone present for Weatherbine's story leaned in, wondering what he could mean, and if they were listening to the ramblings of a madman. I've seen plenty of you folk tromping through the forest, and I always wondered what it would be like 
having those long spindly limbs, walking on two feet and all. So like that, Swampy Jeff snaps his fingers, and I'm no longer an opossum. I'm standing on two legs, I know how to talk, and my tail's gone. Jack clutched the table with both hands, eyes bulging. You used to be an opossum? In the gulf of silence that followed, the tiny horse at last stopped its galloping and loosed a shrill, silvery whinny, punctuating the perfect strangeness of the moment. Well, yeah, I thought I told you this when ye hired me. I guess uh, maybe I forgot. That's, that's my bad. Jack was reeling from this revelation, though it seemed this had made sense of a number of things. I guess that explains why you wandered into my camp without any clothes. Yeah, I didn't have any when I was an opossum. Even if I had, I don't think they would have fit me after my miraculous transfiguration. Weatherbine, oblivious to the shock of the surrounding patrons, began clearing the empty dishes from Alyssa and her companions. That was, after all, what he had been hired to do. Before leaving the glow of the firelight, the strange man turned back, his arms full of dishes and cups, and he once more addressed the audience. Thanks, everyone, for hearing my story. That was actually the first yarn I ever told, and the most fun I've had since my transition from being a wild beast of the forest. Remember, always camp at Jack's, and on Monday, ale is two for the price of one. And with that, Weatherbine loped away. There was an odd silence over the camp, but Jack raised his mug high and proclaimed, To Weatherbine, the best damn opossum I ever hired, and to Swampy Jeff. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!